Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Dan Gasper, also known as Mr. Tuttle 05 across the DFS industry. And I am here with the Rotoriders pregame show, uh, going over last night's NBA slate and also taking a forward glance at tonight's NBA slate. Make sure if you're in chat, or if you're not in chat even, hop in there. Uh, go ahead, ask me some questions. That helps move the, the show along a little bit more smoothly if we have a, a little bit more interaction. It's better than just me kind of rambling and mumbling throughout the entire show. Uh, so if you have any questions, anything you want me to touch on, either on last night's slate strategy-wise or tonight's slate strategy-wise, make sure to do that. We'll have entire content throughout the day, as always. If you're premium, you know where to check out for that. We'll have plenty of shows as well, free crunch time tonight. And right after crunch time, we're actually going to go through uh, into a new show tonight. It's our betting show, and I believe that's with Mangone, JJ, and Big T. They'll be live betting throughout. That's actually something I'm kind of excited to check out. Uh, Big T's a, a pretty good trash talker, so that should be fun to follow along. But again, uh, on this show, on the pregame show, what we're interested on is last night's NBA action as well as tonight's. Uh, so we'll take a, a, a quick look at NBA from last night. Last night was an eight-game slate. I'm on our results DB here. Uh, you can access that uh, on rotorriders.com. If you click the NBA tab, uh, you can see the results database uh, link right under that NBA tab. And you can take a glance at some ownership from last night as well as what some of the top lineups looked like. And uh, here, if we just take a look at the best lineup last night on the site, not a whole lot of surprises here. Um, Chris Levert just absolutely went off. He was not someone that I had a lot of exposure to, but he went off. I think he had 51 real-life points, ended up with 66.5 fantasy points. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich had a good game. Glenn Robinson, another player that I didn't have a whole lot of exposure to, he had a good game for only 3,200. Zion Williamson, Naz Reed, Alonzo Ball, Anthony Davis, and Thomas Bryant. I think the biggest thing to note from this top lineup from last night, and we'll see it once we take a little bit closer look at ownership, basically this lineup just faded the uh, chalk that was San Antonio and Charlotte. Uh, they, uh, San Antonio specifically had a lot of high-owned players uh, on their team in Trey Lyles, DeMar DeRozan, and then Charlotte had Cody Zeller that was kind of popping as a bring-back option in that game. Uh, so basically, this top lineup and all the top lineups last night, uh, some way or another, faded that uh, San Antonio chalk. Actually, was a pretty strong move as well, um, not only in retrospect, but if you uh, were to look at the slate last night as a, as a whole, um, there was plenty of ways or plenty of paths for the chalk last night to fail. And... Most of the chalk did fail, honestly. Uh, and we'll take a look at that here. Let's go to uh, ownership from last night, and we'll take a little bit closer look, like I mentioned, at ownership from last night. Uh, let's take a close look, first of all. We'll see all the ownership concentrated in the single entry double up. Uh, Terry Rozier I mentioned. Actually, if you take a look here, you see there is one, two, three, four, Four of the highest-owned players um, were in, included in that San Antonio game. Again, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Terry Rozier was kind of the only one that did all right for his price tag. DeMar DeRozan wasn't a complete dud, but didn't do very well in terms of a point-per-dollar perspective. Trey Lyles was a huge flop. Cody Zeller was a huge flop. And these were the guys that were the highest-owned last night. So basically, if you got off that 
in GPPs, you ended up having a really good night. Um, again, there were paths to failure last night. If you took kind of a, uh, outside glance at it. It was the slowest pace game of the night. Um, San Antonio is not very good defensively anymore, uh, but they are not a very, uh, not a team that's going to push the pace a whole lot. Charlotte is one of the slowest paced teams in the league. Uh, so if you looked at it just from a pace perspective, I think there was plenty of reason to, to kind of find some pivots off of San Antonio uh, in tournaments and the San Antonio guys specifically, I think were the guys that you could have pivoted off of. I think Trey Lyles, Trey Lyles was a good price tag in general at only 5,200. Uh, but that is a decently high price for him, even though he's seeing heavy minutes. DeMar DeRozan was priced up. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of discount on those San Antonio players. The guys that I caught into, I got onto Cody Zeller at, uh, of late. He was 3,900. Um, and I thought he was an okay player. Uh, okay play at his price point. Uh, didn't do a whole lot, though. I think it's interesting to look. Let's see if we see any ownership trends with Cody Zeller here. Uh, Cody Zeller was somebody that uh, actually got a lot of steam lately. And so <clears throat> let's go here at Cody Zeller. Yeah, Cody Zeller was a guy that got a lot of steam late uh, in the evening. He was an announced starter. He was completely out of the rotation. It was basically announced late last night that Biombo would be the odd man out with the three center rotation in Charlotte. So Zeller caught a lot of steam at only 3,900. I thought he was a good play, but I think it is interesting to look at ownership percentages, and you can see that his ownership did start trending up in the higher stakes that you got, um, which isn't completely surprising. A lot of those people are a little bit more e- or, uh, higher stakes, I, I would say, I react a little bit more quickly to some injury news when it comes out late or, or late news. I guess this wasn't really injury news, uh, but we do see his ownership trend up quite a bit uh, as we uh, go up in buy-in level, and he was extremely heavy owned in cash games as well. Um, trying to look through else and see if anyone pops out. Somebody that I actually thought was a pretty decent option. Again, we th- we knew Charlotte was kind of a, a key point or a key team to target last night. So interested to see overall ownership on some of the Charlotte players. I thought some of the secondary players stood out as potentially strong tournament options. Uh, so I don't mean Terry Rose here. I don't mean Cody Zeller. Those are kind of the higher priced options. Uh, not higher priced, higher owned options. Uh, Miles Bridges was next in line. Somebody that I was interested in, I didn't play a whole lot, was uh, P.J. Washington. I knew the minutes were going to be there for him. As we see, he was single-digit owned in most most of the uh, contests last night. He ended up kind of okay. I mean, he ended up better than Miles Bridges from a point-per-dollar perspective. You needed a little bit more than P.J. Washington in tournaments, but I thought he was an interesting option as a potential guy that could gain a little bit more usage I, with all things considered last night. And then the other guys that I'm interested in seeing where their ownership came out is the Martin brothers. Uh, Cody Martin uh, got up to 22% on average for ownership and Caleb Martin was only around 4%. Uh, somebody else that was actually popping uh, Chris Jamino, who does our, does our projected ownership uh, most days here at Roto Grinders. He came in saying, um, came into our chat saying Jalen McDaniels and Caleb Martin are showing as good plays. Are they going to be high owned, et cetera, et cetera. As we can see, neither guy ended up being high owned at all. Um, Jalen McDaniels had that 3% ownership and I believe Cody Martin was around or Caleb Martin was around that 4% ownership. Uh, both guys I think were, 
relatively decent value options on pretty much any other slate. But the problem with last night's slate was we just had no high-end options to pay up for, um, or very little high-end options to pay up for. Uh, so it really kept some of these 3K options out of out of play, really. Um, so both, I guess McDaniels did a little, little bit better than Caleb Martin, but both guys were, I guess, okay from a, a, in terms of min price options. Uh, but neither guy would have been good enough to really uh, be in the tournament winning lineups. Um, trying to see again, if you have any questions in chat, feel free to answer or ask them. It makes things go by a lot smoothly catching up on chat. Now, uh, shake Milton and Trey Lyles killed me. Um, and a newbie here at my line and a newbie was that guy has been just crazy. I uh, only ended up with 31 only, I say, um, still not terrible, but he, he's priced up at 6,500, I believe last night on DraftKings, uh, which made that 31 points a little bit less attractive. Um, but yeah, he um, was low owned. Milton was not somebody I was on at that increased price tag, but I do think it brings up an interesting point. Um, I, I think kind of the group think and everybody was kind of flocking to, uh, that Charlotte Spurs game again for their value and for for a game that would could potentially be missing big rotational pieces and, and value could be picked up elsewhere in the rotation. I think the game last night that got overlooked or the team that got overlooked were, um, were the 76ers. I thought there were some interesting ways you could try to dissect the 76ers lineup last night, just knowing that there were going to be guys that would be running into a little bit more minutes last night and I honestly haven't looked so t- um, too closely on how the minutes were allocated last night so let's do that real quick with Philadelphia the rotation has been slimmed down just due to injury and so I thought there could be some value to be had there you see Mike Scott actually played 36 minutes if, if you told me Mike Scott was going to play 36 minutes last night uh, no matter the matchup even though Lakers are obviously a pretty tough defensive matchup if you told me Mike Scott was going to get 36 minutes last night he would have been in every single one of my lineups and uh, he ended up not being very high owned at all, even though he was cheap. Let's see. Uh, Yeah. He was only 1% owned on average. Uh, He was one of the better value plays really in terms of output and point per dollars. Um, Very, very, very low owned. Um, And again, he played 32 minutes. We saw or 36 minutes. We saw Glenn Robinson was an, on the best lineup of the night. He was not somebody that crossed my mind, but he did come off the bench uh, put up a lot of points. I uh, got some decent minutes uh, there just because they're lacking bodies with, with Philadelphia. The guy that I was most interested in taking a look at and the guys that the Roto-Grinders projections liked the most was Alec Burks. Uh, he was a guy that was popping early on yesterday in, in Roto-Grinders projections. And I just don't think Brett Brown likes Alec Burks. Um, I'm not completely sure on what's going on there, but he was a guy that I was looking at last week in some instances, and he just has not been getting the minutes, um, which has kind of been a little bit disappointing. We know he's a, a pretty good point per dollar producer when he does get the minutes. And we see he was on average 28% owned last night. Uh, so he saw his ownership up in the 30% range in some of these GPPs last night. And he's a guy that we just, he hasn't been getting the minutes, which again is kind of frustrating. Uh, really, because we know what he can do when given the minutes, but Brett Brown has shown no indication that he wants to get Burks those minutes. Uh, so Burks was the guy I was most interested in. Uh, he didn't pan out, uh, but I did think there were some spots to try to gamble on here with the Philadelphia lineup in hopes of finding somebody that ran into some a big game or at least decent production for their, for their um, price tag. 
And Mike Scott was that guy last night, just didn't do or wasn't very heavily owned at all. Uh, I would fire the projections team for not giving Boucher 28 minutes. Uh, I Honestly, I had no idea Boucher even ran into 28 minutes last night. Uh, this was something – let's take a look here. Yeah, Boucher did run into 28 minutes. He didn't even get sub into the game until the second quarter. Um, Boucher is somebody that is uh, extremely frustrating. Uh, let's see what his ownership percentage was. He's another guy that we know is a very, very strong permanent producer – uh, when given run, it's just that he does not get a whole lot of run very often. Um, 0.79% owned on average last night. Honestly, I had no idea Boucher went off like that. Uh, so this is my first glance at him. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen spots like this. I believe the first time Sergi Bach was out this season uh, and Marcus Hall was also out, I believe the first time um, projection sites, including rotor grinders, were giving it a pretty even split between Rondé Hollis, Jefferson minutes, as well as uh, Chris Boucher minutes. And basically what happened, I think Boucher only got like 13 minutes or not even 13 minutes that game. Um, and it was completely disappointing. And Boucher has been on the back burner since then. And I guess last night he got some run. I, I didn't see if Rondé Hollis, Jefferson got hurt. Um, so if anybody in chat can mention that, if, if RHJ got hurt, that would explain some things. Obviously, he only got eight minutes of action, uh, came off the bench. They did opt to go a little bit smaller to start the game, so that could also have something to do with it. Uh, but, yeah, Boucher, if you uh, if you have the powers to predict a, a monster Boucher game, Boucher game in 28 minutes, you're the man. Um, let me see. I looked at those Sixers, but it was tough to figure out that team was so many. Milton was priced way up. However, then you have Kyle Scott, uh, Firkin, Burks, Robinson, Horford, Harris, etc. Yeah, I mean, I agree, Seth. The, the problem with the Philadelphia 76ers last night, you knew that they were a spot where the rotation was going to kind of play out differently than obviously it has been. Uh, you knew there were minutes to be allocated somewhere. You just didn't necessarily know where they were going to be. Um, I don't think Mike Scott would have been on the top of my list, even though he was starting. Um, he's, again, a guy that's a pretty decent point-per-dollar produ- uh, producer. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm in, in agreement with you, Seth. I, I think in, in, in retrospect, the 76ers make sense, and, and Mike Scott makes sense once you see he gets to the 36 minutes. But prior to last night's game, it was kind of difficult to see how the the minutes would be allocated. So it, they were a tough team to to figure out. But I, at the same time, I'm also not surprised that you know the best lineup on the site last night had a player from the 76ers on it, just because it does make sense um, from kind of how thin their rotation was. What happened with Jamal Murray, Murray last night? Had 21 DK points in the first half and then it ended with 27.5. Honestly, I did not want to hear that. I go to bed. I'm, I'm an old man. I go to bed before a lot of the, the late night games uh, finish up. I played some Jamal Murray last night. I actually played Murray in my main, my main lineup. So I did not want to know that he was cooking um, in the first, first half there. Uh, we can see there, it looks like a pretty normal rotation for him. So it wasn't the fact that he didn't see minutes or anything like that. It, I guess the production just was not there for him uh, overall. Uh, I thought he was a pretty decent option. If you thought that game was going to stay close, um, which it obviously did, or else close enough, uh, certainly did not expect a, a Golden State Warriors blowout. So, uh, but uh, I thought Jamal Murray was a pretty decent option, especially on DraftKings last night. He was only 6700 I thought he was a pretty decent tournament option. And he was a guy I thought in that price range had a, a pretty strong ceiling. 
Uh, frustrating to hear that he only ended up with 27 uh, and a half DraftKings points after a 21 point first half. But you know that happens. And, and overall, I do think he was a pretty strong play. You see the minutes were obviously there for him. Um, production just just failed to follow. Uh, let's see what else. Why did Din- Dunwitty or Dinwiddie not get run in overtime? Uh, that was that Brooklyn Boston game. Uh, that it seems like Boston goes into overtime all the time, and it looks like they just played the hot hand approach. That's another game that it, I did not follow uh, extremely closely. Ex- I should say extremely closely. Yeah, honestly, if you take a look at the rotations here, and, and this is our court IQ tool, you can look at a lot, some games. Um, we're taking a look at last night's game with the Celtics. And this is clearly, yeah, uh, Kenny Atkinson basically just played the hot hands. Um, he played the lineup that got them back in the game and stayed with it, stuck with it in overtime. So Dinwiddie just missed out. It looks like the bench, basically the bench mob got them back in the game. Atkinson stuck with it, and that's what won them the, the contest. Uh, Jalen Brown uh, got hurt. He's another guy I had in my main lineup. He, he uh, pulled a hammy, I believe it was. He got hurt, didn't play much, or didn't get any, any overtime run, which was disappointing. He was on pace for a decent game as well. Uh, but, yeah, with Brooklyn, it looks like he was basically, hey, the bench got us here. We're going to stick with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it looks like everybody was tilted with the, the Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic run last night. Um, and it sounds like Buddy Heald kind of did the same thing for the, for the Kings. Uh, but if that's it for last night, I don't think there's a whole lot to look at from last night. I will say we just look at the Brooklyn-Boston um, game from last night, and honestly, Boston is going to decide everything on tonight's slate. So let's start looking at tonight's slate by talking about Boston a little bit. And you'll see I already made a, a full run there um, with the 100 lineups. This is something I mentioned it on the last time I did this show. It's something I kind of like to do um, just to take a look at what early projections are looking at for the day and kind of get a feel of from who's the, who projections at least think are, are some of the top plays. So what I'll do a lot before I, I kind of start my day or take my first look is what I'll do is I'll build a hundred lineups. And I believe I did it for, I've done it for FanDuel or for DraftKings. I believe I did it for FanDuel as well. I'll take a look at the a uh, hundred lineups and take a look at the player exposures here just to see uh, who projections are liking initially to start off. Uh, the one that starts off, or the the first one that we're, we can see right away that is going to be completely contingent on injury news. And I've seen some sources or some places call Jalen Brown more doubtful than questionable for tonight. Uh, he's a guy that initially is popping as a tremendous option with early projections, uh, but he's a guy that is likely going to kind of be placed on the back burner due to injury. I think he's, again, I think he's more doubtful uh, than, than questionable for tonight's game. Uh, so he kind of seems unlikely, which means the Celtics are going to be extremely, extremely, extremely thin, uh, which is why we're going to be focusing on Boston a lot with a lot of our initial builds. And they're going to probably be a lot of our core pieces uh, with really lineups in, in cash games as well as tournaments. One thing I do want to point out, and let's take a look at the Boston rotation here. Uh, one thing I do want to point out with Boston, I, I think people will be eager to fade uh, Chalk Celtics based on what happened last night with um, Chalk San Antonio. One thing I do want to point out with these Celtics, especially if we do get Jalen Brown out of there as well, 
all these guys are stupid, stupid, stupid cheap that are going to get minutes. Uh, Marcus Smart is the only guy that's going to be relatively expensive. He would be the guy, again, who would probably – not probably. He will project the best. But he would be the guy I'd be most interested in fading just because of the price tag. But a lot of these other guys, Brad Wanamaker, Javante Green, could, could get up to 30 minutes. He started the second half last night. Um, these guys are so, 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 so cheap that they need to do a little bit less to hit their value. Um, whereas last night when we were talking with Trey Lyles, when we were talking about DeMar DeMarozin, there's a little bit more cost to those price tags, which makes it a little bit harder um, for them to meet value or a little bit more more paths to failure with the, with those higher priced guys on a slate like tonight though. Um, if, if, if Jalen Brown is out and we're really getting a Celtics team without Jalen Brown, without Gordon Hayward, without Kemba Walker, without Jason Tatum, then yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine eating some of this extremely cheap uh, Boston chalk in that instance, because they are cheap. Uh, there are a little bit less, a little bit less or fewer paths to value just because they are so, so, so cheap. Uh, Sean A has a question about the Celtics Uh, two and a half Celts in tonight's winning GPP lineup. I would definitely take the under um, on that, but at the same time, I'll probably have plenty of lineups with with more than two Celtics in it. Um, You know, at the, at the very least uh, first initial glances, you're going to have Brad Wanamaker in there. You're going to have Javante green in there. Again, if Jalen Brown is out, those are kind of the two guys I would, look to start my lineups with from a value perspective. Um, so you're starting two there initially, and then you're adding in Marcus Smart if you want to go that route, um, or you can also add some of the other bodies as well. I think somebody, and we'll, we'll see it, uh, it's way too early for these ownership projections. Uh, we don't have ownership projections up quite yet. And anyways, it would honestly be kind of pointless because we're projecting Jalen Browning currently. And if he is out, that's going to change absolutely everything. So looking at ownership projections this early doesn't honestly make a whole lot of sense. But one guy that I would kind of expect to be uh, low-owned, um, and his role might not change that much, but um, a guy that could be low-owned, uh, that's going to be a big part of the Celtics' rotation tonight, would be Daniel Tice, I think is kind of an interesting option. Again, he's... <laughs> I don't love it, but I think if you're trying to find uh, a guy that's starting for the Celtics, that's going to be the lowest owned Daniel Tice, who I think would be the guy that would, that would be there. Um, it's very unsexy. <laughs> it's very um, not a lot of glam to it. Uh, but I, I do think Daniel Tice could make for an interesting tournament option. If you're just trying to get the lowest uh, ownership exposure possible to that Celtics lineup, the expensive guys with the exception of Luca aren't spectacular tonight. Yeah, let's take a look at some of the high-end options that we have because we obviously do have all the all that value there initially with the Celtics, especially if Jalen Brown's out. Um, Luca, absolute smash play. You can see we have him projected as the top play by a wide, 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 wide margin. And again, if you go to the lineups that I just built, oh, because I refreshed, I don't have my lineups there anymore. Uh, so let's build 100 more lineups just to see I have to make two changes to the player pool to run anything. Usually when I want to do that, I'll just exclude the two lowest projected players, guys that I'm not going to have any exposure to anyways. And then I'll run the 100 build just to see what comes out uh, in there. Yeah, Luke is going to end up again on the majority of these lineups, and he is pretty easily the the easiest high-end spent tonight. Uh, Giannis is a fine play. Obviously, Bradley Beal. 
Uh, Damian Lillard is expected back, which puts the kibosh on CJ McCollum, who is now priced up. So yeah, I, I guess there isn't a whole lot of opportunity here for high end options in tournaments. Uh, I would say Giannis would seemingly be pretty easily the high priced pivot off of Luca, uh, but I do love that Luca spot there. Um, actually one thing I wanted to look at, I forgot uh, going back to the Boston Cleveland game. Again, if this is a game that you want to stack, um, because we're going to have plenty of exposures to the Celtics, it seems like, I think looking at the Celtic side or the, the Cleveland side is almost just as important to see what pops. Um, Tristan Thompson is questionable. Something that's interesting. If Tristan Thompson does miss something extremely valuable is that Cleveland only ran a seven-man rotation against Utah. Uh, if you take a look here, I'm not counting Wade and Mooney in that just because they only got that one minute of garbage time. But if you see one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah, seven. I thought I miscounted there for a second. Cleveland only ran a seven-man rotation with uh, Tristan Thompson out last game. And you can see the result was ex- were extremely heavy minutes for Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter, Larry Nance, Chetty Oseman. So Cleveland actually has some decent value options on their side as well, um, especially if Tristan Thompson does miss. Um, so I, I think overall in general, a guy like um, Kevin Porter Jr. is way underpriced for what his role is going to be going moving forward with this Cleveland team. Uh, I think he's only 5K on FanDuel as well. I think Porter's the easy bait bring back option. Uh, but you could go multiple ways with this with Nance or, or Colin Sexton or even Chetty Osman, I think, is a pretty decent tournament option, especially if we think these minutes are going to be extremely heavy for Cleveland as well. Let me see. Any early read on Thomas Bryant playing on the back-to-back? Mo Wagner might be a nice play, uh, a nice pivot at that price point. Yeah, I haven't read anything about uh, the availability of Thomas Bryant. See if I can find anything. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know if – I haven't read anything about his availability if he's not going to be available. I think he – I would assume he's going to play, and I think that's what our projections are assuming at this point. But, yeah, if Bryant misses, Wagner especially would be a really good play. Uh, we could obviously – you see our projection for, for Wagner already has him as over a point-per-minute fantasy producer. So once you start creeping his minutes into that 20-minute range, he would be an excellent, excellent value option. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, where is Washington? <clears throat> Here we go. Yeah, Washington at Portland. The other injury, uh, one of another, in- and we'll go over more um, based on the injury situation. Um, and that's a tab you can find the injury report, the situation room here. Another option or another important key to tonight is Aaron Gordon's availability. Uh, Gordon, I believe, I just read that he is trending towards playing. Uh, but Aaron Gordon, if he is out, he does some things to that or Orlando lineup. Um, Vucevic gets a little bit more run, a little bit more action on the glass as well. Um, so if he's out, that would be significant. But again, he's uh, as of I think about 10, 15 minutes ago, I read that Gordon is trending toward playing. So we'll have a little bit less value, I think, or uh, won't be looking at that Orlando rotation quite as closely, especially in a tough matchup against Miami. Geez, I didn't realize that Cavs rotation without Tristan Thompson was can't that concentrated five to six man Celtic Cavs stacks might be the way to go. 
Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting that. I mean, even if um, it really is a good bring back spot for, for Cleveland, for a game stack, uh, even though we're looking at a pretty low overall uh, implied total, uh, but I think the key here is that you could get a lot of value options in that Boston Cleveland game. It is only a one point spread, one and a half point spread. Uh, so well, well, it is a low total. The, the the salary of the guys are so cheap that you could get some decent exposure there. Um, again, in, in tournaments, I, th- I do think it's an interesting um, question on how how much exposure you want to these guys, and a lot of that's going to depend on. Uh, if Jalen Brown's going to be active and how ownership will, will play out with that. Um, and if any other kind of value options open up, but I'm fine as a general rule of thumb, I'm a little bit more okay. Once we know solidified roles with eating chalk on some of these lower priced options, just because there are a little fewer paths to failure. When there are so many value plays on a slate, what's your biggest differentiator when choosing who to play? Yeah, I mean, so if we get a little bit more value options than just the Boston guys, I think the easy pivot would be off the Boston guys. Um, But we'll need some injury news to open up some more value options. I think as it currently stands right now, again, this is 1130 Eastern of the day. We'll hopefully get a lot more uh, injury news throughout the day. Uh, But if we do not, then as it stands now, I'm I'm fine eating this Boston chalk and looking to differentiate elsewhere. If I'm looking to differentiate elsewhere as it currently stands, that would be something like fading Luca probably, because I do think the most common path to lineup construction will be uh, eating this uh, cheap value and then jamming Luca in because Luca rates is such a really strong play really across the industry. Um, so I, I would kind of be okay with. I think that would be the initial route to, to take would to be to uh, fade Luca, uh, eat the chalk, but fade Luca. Uh, the other option would be to get different exposure to that Boston Cleveland game. than you think the, the chalk will be. So I mentioned Daniel Tice again. I don't think Tice is an overly exciting option, but is a 40 to 50 fantasy point game out of the question? Not exactly. Uh, again, he's not overall doesn't scream as a guy that has a ton of ceiling, but I think he would be a decent tournament option as well. Um, <clears throat> let me see if there's anything else I need to mention above the Celtics. I, I think I covered most things. Let's let's go to the rotation last night again just to see uh, if I'm missing anything and if Brad Stevens can do anything to screw this up. I will say. Um, they have more – the Celtics in general will have a little bit more depth in the front court uh, with Robert Williams healthy again, um, assuming he's active on a back-to-back. Uh, so I would be a little bit more reluctant to take shots on their front court than I would be with, with some of these um, backcourt or these, these guards. Uh, we got a good morning and a aloha from the islands. Fun story. I was just down in Texas for a luau. My uh, my wife's grandmother uh, was born in Hawaii, and she just had an 80th birthday party. And I got suckered into doing a couples dance at the luau, and it was terrible. Uh, but yeah, good morning to everyone again. If you have questions, anything like that, feel free to ask them in chat. Uh, we already discussed last night's slate a little bit, but if you have any questions on last night's slate, feel free to throw those in. Uh, any questions on tonight's slate, I'm more than happy to answer as well. If you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe to the Roto-Grinders channel. Like this video. 
Later on today, we'll have plenty more videos. We have free crunch time today. And after crunch time, we have the premiere of, uh, I don't know the name of the show. Devin will drop it in chat. It's a sports betting show. Uh, Big T, uh, Mangone, and JJ will be live betting on some college basketball as well as some NBA. Uh, will be a fun, more of a fun show to, to tune into, so make sure to do that as well. Um, let me see. Uh, given all the efficient tools available in higher cash lanes and lines and higher variance due to an overabundance of rest injury situations, are cash games still beatable or not worth playing anymore? Or maybe just head-to-head is beatable. What is your cash versus GPP exposure? Uh, this is actually an excellent, excellent, excellent question and something that I struggle with myself, quite honestly. Um I keep pounding my head into double ups for some reason on DraftKings, and I really don't think there's a whole lot of edge there. Uh, I've found more personally. I found more cash success on on FanDuel than I have on DraftKings. I, I still think if you are somebody that can post head to heads on FanDuel on DraftKings on any site, if you can post head to heads and get decent action, I think that's the way to go. I do think double ups are so. Um, optimized now I think would be the best word since everybody's using an optimal lineup uh, I do think there is very little edge um, in some some of at least the higher um, buy and double ups but even the five dollar double ups on, on DraftKings I'm finding there's just um, very little room for mistakes on FanDuel like I said I, I've found more success there I, I think on FanDuel there's a little bit more wiggle room if you you know, your night's not completely over in cash games, even if you get one dud. Whereas on DraftKings, I'm finding, you know, if, if you get the one dud that's not over 60% owned, you're you're in trouble in cash games. Um, so I think it's, yeah, an interesting cash games. I would say some cash games are still beatable. Um, and again, it, it's in terms of double ups, I, I think that depends on buy-in level. Um, I would say, you know, down in the $1, if you can get those $1 double ups, I, I would still say keep grinding those, um, pay attention to, to uh, ownership percentages in those. Um, I have the experienced player badge or whatever, so I can't do the, the anything under $3. But if, if I was a low limit player, um, I think that's where the edge would be, posting low dollar cash games and grinding that. But in terms of um, high dollar cash games, I think... Honestly, I think the ecosystem tells you a lot on um, what people think of that. And I think it's that it's not very beatable currently. I think if you looked at DraftKings to start the year, you saw a lot of regulars or a lot of regs that were registering cash games. I think there's a lot less regs currently than there was to start a se- start the season. I know a couple of them myself um, who have stopped playing just because – you know, everybody's sick of basically playing a 1v1 or a 2v2 in cash games, and it's just not worth the, the money. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of grinding cash games, my advice would be if you're a low-limit player or you have the ability to grind, you know, low limits, I would say keep doing that in cash. If you're not, if you're a person that wants to get off, you know, more than four figures, a night you might be able to do so but it's definitely a little bit more difficult um i would say one thing i'm actually a little bit disappointed at is i don't have the like i said i don't have the ability to play the three dollar and below game so i don't even have the ability to do like the 150 and the one dollar tournaments or anything like that which would help hone my gpp skills a little bit more than than where they're at now 
Um, but cash games, yes, very, very tough. Um, I would experiment site to site, see what works best for you. Uh, there may be a site where your playing style um, is more efficient or pays off a little bit better. Um, but I guess that also brings in a point to me that I think is interesting. It might not be qualified is depending on who you're speaking to, the three-man games are what I think um, if, if you're putting the three-man games in the cash category, I think that is the best approach to cash games currently and where there would be the most upside um, just because obviously the reward's a little bit better. And I think because of how obvious some of the lineup construction is on a nightly basis, you can pretty easily get a 2v2 or a 3v3 off of what most people will be running in those three-man games that you can um, differentiate yourself enough to give you a little bit of upside. So, yeah, I do do like three-man games, and especially I think there's some edge to be had. And if somebody finds it, please tell me. I think there's some edge to be had in three-man showdown lineups uh, because, honestly, there are a couple of regs in those uh, showdowns, especially on DraftKings, that essentially run the same lineup, which is extremely negative EV to do is to run the exact same lineup as somebody else in a three-man lineup. But there are some regs that run um, the same lineup in those three-mans. So if you can find a, a way to even take a possibly a, a point projection hit in those three-mans and run a slightly less optimal lineup, but get a 2v2 down against uh, in a three-man against uh, two guys that are running the same lineup, I think there is some edge to be found there. Uh, but yeah, in, in cash in general, I it's it's very difficult now, um, especially if you're a higher lim- higher limit player. Uh, what is your mindset for single entry GPP? Um, completely fine. Um, eating mostly chalk in single entry GPP. Um, I will take some stances. So something that we mentioned for tonight, you know, eating that Boston chalk is something that I'd be fine doing, but probably pivoting then to Giannis. Um, or a different high price player than Luca in tournament in single entry. But in general, I'm, I'm going to take less aggressive stances in single entry tournaments than I am um, in multi-entry. Let me see here. What's Butler's and Kristaps? I don't know the percentages. That are, I'm assuming you're talking about ownership. We do not currently have ownership projections up, uh, but those should be up a little bit in just a little bit. Uh, do you have any suggestions on decent tournaments for DK and low stakes players, which is probably a lot of the viewership, or can you not see a lot of them? I cannot see a lot of them, which is unfortunate. Uh, they don't even show up in the lobby for me. I believe tonight, though, there is that $4 mini max. Um, that seems to be the tournament I hear most positive things about is the mini max tournaments. I believe it's the $4 price point tonight. Uh, but once those go into kind of the $3 and below, I can't see those. But yeah, I think those are pretty strong tournaments or that mini max is a strong tournament. Um, the quarter jukebox is, is perfectly okay. Um, and honestly, those like those are the tournaments you want to kind of hone your skills in. I I got the experienced player badge playing because just because I've played so long. I've, I've been playing on these sites since 2011, played a ton of cash games back in my day. Um, so I, I got that experience badge pretty early and I didn't really have the ability to hone my tournament craft with lineup optimizers, things like that in GPPs at the lower price point. So take advantage of that while you can, um, those quarter arcades or whatever they're called, or if you want to go a little bit higher, those mini maxes are perfect places to get it, um, to, to kind of learn the lineup optimizers and how to 
experiment and, and find what works best for you. Uh, <clears throat> so I think I'm all caught up on questions. Actually, there was the one uh, from Brian. Did you have, oh, I don't even know what, uh, I'm going to pr- mispronounce it. Leishan, Lechen at the Luau. I'm Googling this, so I know what it is. And then I, again, I'm sure I mispronounced it. Oh, is this just, yes. It's a pork dish. Uh, we did have a fully uh, uh, cooked pig, which I believe this is, <laughs> that's what this is, a suckling pig. Um, we had poi. I've never actually tried poi. They try to make me try poi all the time. I don't know if you've had poi before, Brian. Um, but poi is basically, I believe, a root. Uh, and they always try to get me to, to have poi each time um, I go to one of these luau's. But I have not tried it yet. Uh, but again, yeah, any questions, feel free. You guys don't want to hear about my luau experiences. Uh, but any other questions, feel free. I think we're all caught up in chat uh, in terms of questions, any other questions, feel free to send my way. Otherwise, we'll be out of here in just a little bit. Um, again, hit the like bike button if you're enjoying my rambling. Um, subscribe to the Rotor Grinders channel. And again, I'll plug the shows tonight. We have the Crunch Time Show, Grinders Live, and the betting preview again. All right, we got a question here from Daniel then. I'll take a few more questions before I log off. Um, in your opinion, what is the best site to use for fantasy advice? Best bang for your buck? I mean, how can I not promote Rotor Grinders here? Uh, RG is the company I work for. I do think um, we have uh, extremely good off options for pretty much every sport, NBA specifically as well. Um, I don't subscribe to any other site, to be completely honest. So um, I'm trying to think to make sure that's accurate. Yeah, I don't subscribe to any other site. So yeah, Rotor Grinders is the one um, that I would recommend. And I would be honestly um, non-qualified to answer with any other options. Not that I would give any other options away on the on the show. Um, so RG is the place to be. Um, again, we're doing our things where we're trying to give out a little bit more premium content for free. Uh, crunch time is free tonight. Uh, that's something that is not usually free. Uh, that is a premium show. Um, Meansy, I believe, is on that. You can see Meansy is in charge of our uh, NBA content most days. He's on core plays. Uh, he knows what he's doing. Um, I know he's extremely frustrated with the Boston Celtics injury situation because he wants to start writing, uh, but he doesn't know if we'll have Jalen Brown or not. Uh, but Meansy is somebody that is extremely knowledgeable about the NBA. Uh, it's something he focuses on quite a bit, and he'll be on crunch time tonight. Uh, so make sure to tune in if you're kind of on the edge about learning about our premium product. That is a good way to get your feet wet. Are the Mavs or the Pels winning tonight? Um, man. Uh, let's see what the line is here. What do we have for a line? Six-point six, six point line. Mavs are six-point six favorites. Honestly, at, at that price, I kind of like the Pels. At plus six, if you can find that out there, I'm not sure. Sometimes our our lines can get a, a tiny bit stale based on on the feed. So depending on where you're shopping, if you could get plus six for the Pels, that would be the side I would take. I'm not sure they're gonna they're gonna win straight up, but I would take plus six on on the Pels over laying the laying the um, spread with the with the Mavs. Uh, let me see. If you were to fade Luca, would you just go a full middle tier build? 
I think the initial pivot is is Giannis, and I've mentioned that a couple times before, but I do think that is interesting uh, conversation and discussion for tournaments is if you want to limit your exposure to some of those Celtics, then you're going to get a little bit more of a middle-tier build. And I think that is an interesting way to just have uh, unique lineup construction in, 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 its, in and of itself. I've mentioned before on the show that I think it's easier to find unique builds and un- unique ways to construct lineups on FanDuel just because they're a lot more rigid uh, with their positional flexibility. Um, but yeah, I, I think going more middle tier really across the industry on whichever site you're playing on would be an interesting way to build tournament option or tournament lineups tonight, just because you know, it's going to be a lot of stars and scrubs out there for sure. Uh, how do you feel about pivoting off the obvious coming chalk in the Celtics, Pistons, and Cavs with stacking teams like the Pelicans are playing low-owned guys on the other teams? Yeah, I've mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little bit more willing to f- fade chalk um, when the cost is a little bit higher on their, or their price tags are a little bit higher. I think the big thing with the Celtics tonight and what we'll see, especially if Jalen Brown is gone, is we'll be eating chalk – these guys that are going to be chalk are so, 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 so cheap uh, that they just have fewer paths to failure. Um, Does not mean that you cannot fade them. I I think from a game theory perspective, if if some of these guys are going to, you know, see 50 to 60% ownership, which is completely possible in some of these single entry tournaments, if you, I I think there's no problem fading anybody at that ownership in tournaments. Um, And if that's your read, if you think some of these guys are extremely thin, then yeah, and if you think they're going to get fifty to sixty percent ownership, yes, fade these guys at that at that uh, projected ownership. But uh, again, for me, it's a little bit easier to eat the chalk just knowing that they're so cheap. Um, and I do think they're pretty solidified for minutes if we get Jalen Brown out again. I mean, we're we're looking at such a small or shortened rotation for Boston that there's just yes, there are paths to failure in terms of production, but the minutes are going to be there for for most of these guys. Um, let me see. I uh, getting some RG love as a non company company man. I'd have to agree that nowadays it's RG uh, something else. I'll plug. If you are a premium subscriber, uh, something I'm not very good at is getting to our discord chat, uh, but we do have a discord chat and I know blender especially is very, very good um, at getting and answering questions in discord. Blender is kind of the guy that runs the show the majority of the week. He's on three days a week. He's very good with tournament strategy. Uh, I would say one of the best in the business in terms of tournament strategy. And he does a good job of answering questions in that premium discord chat. Uh, so that is one of the benefits that you could have uh, by signing up for road grinders premium. Uh, means he is completely fed up with the spurs and pop and Pirtle. Yes. Um, let me see. Do you set min max exposure caps? If so, as a general rule of thumb, what would they be? Yeah, I think, um, in terms of min max exposure caps, it's going to completely depend on slate, how the size of the slate. Um, if it's a, if it's a smaller slate, I may not set any exposure caps, or if I do set any exposure caps, I'll be much higher than on a, on a little bit bigger of a slate. Um, I think, the min-max exposure caps will also uh, best use when they're aligned with our projected ownership. Um, so, you know, if, if I want to go overweight on a guy based on their projected ownership, then I would put their minimum exposure at 
their projected ownership or, or possibly even a little bit higher. If I want to go underweight on a guy that let's say is projected to be 30% owned, then I'll put him, you know, at 20% as my max exposure. So yes, use min max exposure caps. And I think they are best used when aligned with our projected ownership, which we do do a very good job of typically uh, updating. And we do have uh, a timestamp here for projected ownership too. So you can see when our projected ownership is updated uh, throughout the day. Uh, it looks like, as you can see, we have not project updated projected ownership yet for today. There'll be something done a little bit later. Uh, but then that time state will time stamp will update. So yes, min man or min max exposure caps and use them uh, aligned with the the projected ownership. Uh, and typically we do do a very good job with our projected ownership. We're never going to get anything exactly 100% right, but we we do a pretty good job of getting it within the range. Uh, Jamino has a pretty intense system set up, and that, that's something I actually run on on Sundays. I'm in charge of projected ownership, so something we spend a lot of time um, with. Uh, and doing our best in getting it right. Let me see. Uh, if you were going to play some of these Celtics, if Brown and Hayward are out for G GPPs, how would you rank them? <coughs> yeah, I mean, the the two main guys, especially if Jalen Brown out for me, would be um, the, the two biggest guys would be Brad Wanamaker and then uh, Javante Green would be the two guys that I would think would have the most solidified minutes. I think after that, you could potentially get a little bit thinner with minutes. I mean, Marcus Smart's obviously, depending, although Marcus Smart himself could be facing a suspension as well. Um, he got into it with the refs last night. I think he'll be fine. Uh, but there is the potential that uh, Marcus Smart would be out as well, which would be absolutely crazy. Uh, Marcus Smart is obviously going to project the absolute best in terms of overall projection. Uh, but if you're looking at some of the value guys, I would, I would go Wanamaker and then Javante Green. And then I do think is a pretty big drop off after those. So I, I, I think those would be the two guys that I would mainly focus on. Um, and those would be the two guys that I'm okay eating the chalk with. Uh, if some of these other guys are projecting is strong value options, like Grant Williams might project as a, as a decent value option. I would be a little bit more apt to fade Grant Williams, just because I think there are more ways that can go in the front court. Uh, whereas I would be a little bit more okay to eat some of this uh, backcourt rotation. So Javante Green, Brad Wanamaker would be guys that I'm okay eating the chalk with. Whereas like a Grant Williams, I would be a little bit more eager to to fade. Um, just some feedback here. The NBA Discord is the second best tool on Roto Grinder site. Number one is Lineup HQ. Uh, so yeah, just a, another shout to our Discord there. And I, I need to do a better job at getting in there myself. Uh, I think that's a um, question about can smart appeal the uh, suspension if he's suspended and be able to play. Honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure how exactly all that works. I know with, with some other sports, you can appeal the suspension. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something that they're able or that he would even want to do um, in this spot. Uh, but that's something we'll, we'll know well beforehand. Boston actually does a pretty good job updating us with this early report too. Uh, I believe the first injury report for the day should be out here. Let me see. I believe it's 1230 uh, Eastern time. Uh, so we'll get the first injury report for the day uh, in about 30 minutes and we'll have a little bit more clarification on Boston's situation. And they do do a pretty good job of um, 
reporting who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing that sort of thing. So either way, we'll know within plenty of, or plenty of time in advance. And that is one of the first games of the night as well, Boston uh, versus Cleveland. So we'll know that injury news uh, beforehand. We'll know if Mark suspended Marcus smart suspended that sort of thing. All right. This is the last one I am going to take last question. I'm going to take, and then I'm going to call it a day. Uh, speaking of gambling, do you hedge leverage your DFS at play with sports betting? Uh, i.e. stack a low-owned high-spread game and then bet the spread. Um, I'm not the guy to, to ask on that. I don't do a lot of sports betting myself. I think it would be disingenuous if I uh, considered myself uh, very apt in, in sports betting. It's something that I've uh, dipped my toes in quite a bit, uh, or for a long time, um, kind of way back in the day. It's something that I, I did, but not to a large scale. Not not a big sports better, not currently. Uh, something I do want to get a little bit more... Um, interest in and get a little bit better at, but yeah, I'm not the one to answer that question. So to answer the, that specific question, I don't bet a whole lot at all. So no, I, I don't correlate or leverage my DFS plays. I think it's an interesting spot or an interesting discussion. If you find yourself um, in a high leverage spot to do, but yeah, that's something that I don't um, currently do. All right. But yeah, that's going to do it for uh, the pregame show then today. Uh, Thanks for making the show go by fast with all your questions and chats. I'll be back next week on Wednesday. Um, I believe it is blender tomorrow and then Kyle on Friday, some, some sort of that schedule the rest of the week. I'll make sure to tune in those for those guys the rest of the week. Uh, Tonight, then we do have plenty of shows to go as well. We got grinders live. We have crunch time, which is free. And we also have that free betting show, which is making its premiere tonight. So make sure to hit the like button uh, and tune in for those shows later tonight as well.